Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 400 of the podcast. Wow, that's 400 of something. Uh, um, that's really exciting. I want to thank, of course, Chris Royce for uh, your longtime support in running the Twitter account and the wonderful website, uh, JV, thejvclub.org, that you built for me. Um, of course, everyone at Max Fun. Um, most importantly, my producer, Julian. Thank you, Julian. And all of you wonderfuls who have given me support in all the ways, especially when it comes to social media and website stuff. Um, But all of you who have been with the podcast, many of you from the beginning, uh, new listeners, I welcome you in. This has been such a wonderful, wonderful 400 episodes. I I just can't believe we're here. Um, I am so excited about the guest I have this week to celebrate my 400th, you know, when I was in my late teens, as many of you who are longtime listeners of the podcast know, I definitely went through a bit of a rough patch. And Jonathan's music was hugely therapeutic and inspiring and uplifting. And uh, she's just been a favorite musician of mine for for a very, very long time. Not that long, because she and I are both very young still. (laughs) But uh, having her as my 400th guest just feels so right. I also want to say that Jonathan's band, The Story, and her solo work that she has been continuing to do ever since, including these amazing COVID Kitchen Monday concerts that she does from her house. I strongly recommend you give that a Google. Um, uh, she's My dad and I discovered The Story together, and uh, the fact that Jonathan willingly <laughs> recorded a video of herself singing a song that she graciously allowed me to sing along with in my own video uh, is a song that, I, you know, the whole thing I'd like to kind of dedicate to my dad because this episode is also coming out on his birthday, uh, December 3rd. I'm getting super emotional. Woo, everyone. Woo. Anyway, there's an audio version of the track at the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy it. It meant the world to me to be able to be... Um, singing a duet with one of my heroes and um happy birthday dad and there's a video as i said that will accompany it i just have to figure out how to mash our two videos together and sync them and uh, i will get that out into the world so follow me at janet varney or at the jv club one is on twitter one is on instagram at the jv club is on instagram at Janet Varney's on Twitter. Uh, and I'm sure I'll post a link to it elsewhere as well, perhaps even in these show notes. So I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everyone had a good holiday. Uh, if you did celebrate some form of Thanksgiving, if you didn't, boy, do I get it. And I'll be thinking of everybody. And thanks again for getting me to 400. Your support means the world to me. Are you are you in Minneapolis? I see. I saw a, a LA number come in in LA area code. So I suddenly yeah. questioned whether or not you were. I think you're. I am. I'm. Here. I'm in the middle. I'm in flyover country. Well, no, it's way more important than that. I'm in Minneapolis. Uh, but when I first got a cell phone, I was living in LA, and I've just always kept it. And where in LA were you? When you were here? I started out in Mandeville Canyon in Brentwood. Oh, I love Mandeville Canyon. I know. It was, I was so lucky. Like, I was looking for a place to live, and I was driving around with my soon-to-be husband, but I wasn't 
we weren't living together yet and I needed, you know, anyway, long story short, yeah. I found this little guest cottage behind a house in Mandeville Canyon that was the most amazing sanctuary. It was, it was just an incredible two years there. It was awesome. And then oh, I moved to Malibu once we, once we were official. Yeah. Well, that's, as everyone knows, you can't move to Malibu unless you have a document saying that you were officially married. Those For are the sure. rules. So we don't like, make them. Duh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mandeville's great, too, because it really is. I mean, that's pretty Laurel Canyon adjacent. If you want to dig into the rich, textured, hippie, and folk history of uh, of Laurel Canyon musicians, that's totally. you're, you're getting a sliver of that in Mandeville, for sure. Totally. And then, you know, in a five-minute drive up the windy roads, you can go on these long hikes through the mountains and, and, and yes, really indeed. feel like you're communing with nature. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh that's a nice nice thing about LA. If you if you, people who don't necessarily you know, if you think if people think of it as just an urban sprawl, it's very easy to understand why um it would be yucky uh to in the to, in someone's imagination. But there there are a lot of little and big treasures like Griffith Park that, you know, and the that ocean totally change They're- the field. And, and the ocean, absolutely. <laughs> well, that old thing? That old thing. And also I the the biggest thing I miss about LA is the the smells of the eucalyptus and the jasmine. Oh yeah, about at least yeah. The West sometimes side. the sometimes that no for sure the jasmine. Yeah, that sometimes those when people just have those fences that are just dripping in yeah. jasmine. We uh, my my partner and I will uh, will be on a walk uh, in the evening and we'll both look at each other and go get a room because it's so <laughs> it's sensual so intoxicating it's so yeah. sensual it's yep it's really quite something when yeah, I left well, I bought that's the first thing I did I bought jasmine you know so I have these two jasmine plants that uh, I they get me through the winter for sure uh, Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I have my my version of that, although I still have those smells, is I'm originally from Tucson, Arizona, and I miss the cre- the smell of creosote when it rains uh, and, and just creosote in the morning, you know, with, when it's dewy. Um, and so I there's a place here where, you know, a little artisan uh, makes creosote, dried creosote bundles. I guess you're supposed to burn them like you burn sage, but I just keep them around and every once in a while I spray them with a, a water bottle. <laughs> and so they sort of release their desert smell and it's I mean, smell is smell is so like th- that's so important and so emotional. So I love that you that you knew you wanted to kind of have that to be able to have that sensory memory experience of getting that jasmine. Yeah, it it helps me. It's my therapy. Well, speaking of therapy, uh, what a gross segue. <laughs> um, no, but I do want to. I just do want to give a quick shout out to the uh, COVID Kitchen uh, weekly concerts that you've been doing since since that's begun and I was uh enjoying them and also you know kind of looking at comments and seeing people saying you know this is kind of helping me get through all of this and um what prompted you did you just uh feel like you had a, a desire to connect with the audience and thought too that maybe people would 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 find some comfort in that I th- yeah, I I think it grew into that. It became a realization that like this was serving a purpose for both me and 
my audience. At first, it was just kind of like, oh my God, what am I going to do? My whole year just got canceled. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. what will I do? Oh, I will do a concert from home and see what happens. I will just try this out. And it turned out to be this love fest. And also, my fans are incredibly generous and have been sustaining me through this entire time. Because as you probably know, <laughs> yeah. touring recording musicians are... Mm. we're the first to have to shut down and we will be the last back into the world of actually working and making our livings the way we used to. So we're all scrambling to figure out what to do to stay alive. And so it, it was an experiment at first and then it became this sort of ritual again, like a, like a cathartic therapeutic ritual, amazing communion and this and community and so over these weeks it's I've sort of built it and I've gotten tech savvier and you know because at first people were complaining about like your kitchen is too echoey and like you should (laughs) get a microphone and I'm like get a job (laughs) so I have sort of continued to raise the bar and then it kicked my ass too like I had you know to keep it fresh you have to keep bringing in new things and revisiting old records that maybe people haven't heard in a while. And so relearning my entire catalog was not on my list of things to do this year, but (laughs) (laughs) it's been awesome. It's been, you know, really forcing me to practice and get better at what I do. So, um, you know, it's, what can I say? It's been a blessing on both sides. And I think that now fans are like, please don't stop. I need you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, especially when so many people have had, you know, had their their lives interrupted in such a way that, you know, pretty early on, I remember, and, and, and continues to this day, people talking about the sense of timelessness, the sense of, you know, what day is it? I don't mm-hmm. have anything kind of anchoring me to, um, to a schedule. And so I think all of those little rights that, that you can find for yourself uh, during a week's time uh, become can become really important for those of us who want a little structure, you know? Yeah. And well, I'm sure this happens in, in your gig as well. It's sort of like you get to encapsulate all the things that have happened since the last time you spoke, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And um, so I'm trying to synthesize, as I'm sure you are, um, all these things that we're going through collectively, you know, globally, yeah. we're facing this this one thing, and then at least us in the U.S. and globally too, we're facing this other thing. Right. And so, to synthesize that information each week is a, a, a tough order, but something that I am loving doing, and then trying to translate it into something positive, i.e., music or a, you know a song choice that makes sense given like that Ruth Bader Ginsburg just died or that the the election is going crazy or given that, you know, whatever. And so I'm trying to tailor things and keep up with the times and be apropos of the moment and also be comforting and also be topical and also be a little bit, you know, when I dare be a little bit political, but uh, it's, yeah. it's been a real education in a, in a great way. It's forced me to, to learn how to synthesize, you know, material, figure out how to say enough, but not too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are are you, um, do you dabble in the kind of 
social media uh, uh, of things like do, are you are you getting news from Twitter or are you <laughs> kind of expounding on your own feelings on places like Instagram or are you sort of reserving that stuff for these you know kitchen covid uh oh that's shows? a good yeah that's a good question uh a little of everything i i certainly yeah. am more pithy and mean on twitter I'm pissed off on Twitter. I'm <laughs> a little more tempered on the other mediums, but media. But I, I have, I have stopped holding back because it's just so ridiculous at this point that if you want to troll me, I, I guess that's just have at it because right. Right. it's just too insane to be quiet at this point. Right. So I, I am saying more than I ever have in the past. And my husband always sort of rails on me about it. But like in the last couple of Kitchen concerts, I have rewritten a couple of my songs with new words to to, to, to be more uh, apropos of this moment. Oh, I, get, I didn't know that. That's, uh, that's very cool. That's yes, very I cool. have a song called Better After All. And last week I rewrote it to be Better After Trump. <laughs> and I'll just leave that and, right there. And what's it about? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to think, I mean, I do this, the same thing on my podcast and, and I actually have, I'm just bad at social media in general. Um, and Oh, I didn't say and, I was good at it, but yeah, <laughs> bless trying. you, bless you. <laughs> um, but, but I, I do feel like, and I, I'm, you know, you don't want to assume things, uh, that's that in any kind of disrespectful way about your fans or about your listeners. But at the same time, you know, there was a point at which with this podcast, I, I kind of just had to go, what am I doing? Like, if you're listening to this podcast, the chances that you are a dyed in the wool Trump supporter are so slim that, uh, you, if you are, if you like what I do, and you still are, you fascinate me. Please contact me. Like, <laughs> like let's I need, talk. I need to. I need you to unpack some stuff for me. Um, <laughs> exactly. And uh, and otherwise, like it's probably safe to assume because you know I'm not a person who has uh, three million followers who you know like me for any kind of you know all these different reasons or or just like me for this one thing I do. I feel like you I mean I I, I, just just if I may um I feel like you your work is such that um I I can't imagine that it attracts people who are you know and again like I don't want to I'm trying really hard not to be angry at anyone but people in power because I I'm trying really hard not to continue the polarization yeah yeah um and I totally get the impatience. And I totally get the anger. And I totally get, you know, friends of mine who are like not on speaking terms with their families in the South or, oh, you know, wow. elsewhere because they just have come to such a divide that, you know, mm-hmm. it feels like they're speaking different languages. But I don't have that in my immediate family and I don't really have it in any friendships. And so I've mm-hmm. sort of tried to be, you know, some people are better at raging than I am. I, I, I sort of think maybe... I am more of a person to be compassionate and be a compassionate listener and try to understand how someone is thinking is coming from the place that they are. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to shit all over Trump on, on social media, <laughs> like at the same time, you know, uh, it's tricky. It's tricky. You know, it's it tricky. is really tricky. And I, and I have been surprised a couple of times when I've posted something that's like 
just intelligently, truthfully, you know, well-written, fact-seeking, really just recalling the news kind of things. And there have been some fans who've been like, I can't believe you're, you know, one of these libtard people. Uh, See ya. You know, I thought I I used to like your music. And that's the, that's the thing that's just so insane to me is like, well, I used to like your music, but now (laughs) just kind of like, wait a minute. You could, you can, you can disagree with my, my politics, but the songs are still the same. Like, what's? Right, wait a minute. Right. Like, no, now I I just hear them differently. I used to. I, they used to be about big banks to me, and now they seem like they're about like human rights. No, I mean, it's just so so weird. And and then yeah, I it. But I I agree with you. Like, there I'm not a shouter or a. I'm a bleeding heart person. So that you know, I, I cry for conflict. I'm not good at conflict, yeah. and I'm not good at you know being angry at people. So I, I'm the first to listen and want to understand what makes someone else tick if they are ticking so strangely differently from me. So yeah, I get that. I get that. Well, I hope that, that, that we're, that we actually will head to a place where it's encouraged on both sides. It just seems so crazy to even be saying that. Like that's right. that's it. We're just two halves. That's it. Um but <laughs> but I hope that there will be because that so much of that is coming from, you know, where you get your media or or what channel metaphorical or literal you've decided to tune into if you are being told by voices that you trust for whatever reason that people on the left are all on the far far left and they all think you're idiots right you know then you sort of filter everything if you start to filter everything through that lens then you railing against trump suddenly becomes deeply insulting to this person who used to like your music you know and and yeah it's just it's that feedback loop that i really hope that you know come january we can start to try to crawl out of together um so that people start trying to understand each other again yeah i mean one of the things that i think i say almost every week is like but you you know everybody just you know stay healthy please wear a mask and and be kind and also really pay attention to where you're getting your information from (laughs) like try to find try to really really suss out what where the truth lies what what the real truth is (laughs) like bye-bye see you next week yeah (laughs) (laughs) chew on that chew on that um are you back are you in minneapolis because you are back in minneapolis are you from minneapolis or did you or did did something else take you there (laughs) what happened i am from boston my husband grew up in minneapolis so i'm east coasty uh we Lived in LA for a while. We lived in New York for 15 years, and then that got kind of insane and overwhelming. And we decided, all right, let's try the middle because we didn't like any other cities. <laughs> like yeah. we'd sort of we'd done the coasts, and that was cool. Nashville has never really appealed to me. I mean, I like I like what happens there, and I love what I do there, and I love my friends there, but it's not. I couldn't live there. I couldn't. Yeah. Like the summers are just unbearable to me. So. Yeah. Minneapolis was like the top of the list and I love it here. It's beautiful and despite last summer it it, it is a really good place at heart yeah. and I think that it is very good at working on things and and 
finding solutions. And I think that uh, I just, I have, we were able to buy a house, which never would have happened in New York. And oh, sure. we love our neighbors. We love our neighborhood. So I'm okay here for a while. It feels like, wow, we got out just in time. <laughs> like we would have been dead from COVID if we'd been in New York City. Yeah. Did you, has it been really that recently that you, that you relocated? Yeah. We moved in the winter of 2016. So yeah, yeah, three, almost four years. Yeah. I have never been to Minneapolis and I'm ashamed of that fact because I feel such an affinity towards um, Minneapolis, St. Paul, towards Madison, Wisconsin. I feel like Mm. so many funny, warm things that I either grew up with or people I care about now and and some of it bleeds over one from the other like a couple of the guys from Mystery Science Theater 3000 who are up in that area Mm. who have since become pals Um, I think of it as such and and of course you know kind of being around Prairie Home Companion as a a youngster with with my parents both being fans um, you know and so I think of it as a place where I would probably really I I just know I'm really gonna like it and it's just a place I've never been because you know I think especially if you travel a lot for work um you tend I I don't know if this is true for you because you're on tour so much or would be if not for now (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah that that I sort of let my I let work stuff kind of dictate where I'm going and Mm -hmm. outside of that unless it's something more extravagant like let's go to Europe if we can afford it and all that um, I don't find myself exploring the United States just Mm. just for myself Mm. and and nothing has taken me to Minneapolis and so somehow (laughs) I just haven't been there yet you know and that's not even the Prince Museum (laughs) not even the Prince Museum well it is kind of a little best kept secret. I mean, it is one of the best place. I think it gets on those lists every year of best places to live and raise a family. Uh, it gets on those lists. Uh, it is, yeah. be- you know, the wilderness is beautiful. The lakes everywhere are beautiful. We're known for our lakes and listen to me. Like I'm a freaking advertisement, but uh, you know, that <laughs> like being said, I, I, I still, yeah. if I had the dough, I would go to Paris. So, I mean, I won't yeah. argue with you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so growing up in Boston, did you have brothers and sisters? Were your parents together? What What was your life? What was the shape of your life like when you were in Boston? It was pretty kind of waspy, middle class white, you know, suburbia. I grew up in Weston till, till junior high. Two older brothers, parents both together and working. Uh, I was a serious ballerina, so we moved into the city when I was 12 because mom got tired of driving me to ballet class every day. Uh, and uh, from there, it was it got more <laughs> from there it got more complicated. Um, my parents divorced later. You know, I was I think I was in my tw- like mid 20s. So like hmm. everyone else whose parents divorced, it happened when they were in high school or grade school. <laughs> Something. I was sure, like, they, everybody I was, had gotten it out of the way. Yeah. yeah, they got it out of the way. I was grown up, and so in a way, it was like, what? Yeah, now? Totally. like I'm what? Sure. <laughs> and I'm then, sure. and then they remarried each other four years later. So that was another like, wait a minute, you guys, oh come on now, like yeah. just, just get over yourselves. This is not a good idea. <laughs> so that's the sort of bump. Uh, that's the elevator version. 
Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hey, you've reached Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep. Hello, this is Steve from Albany talking about my favorite podcast, Dr. Game Show. Dr. Game Show is a show where listeners submit their crazy ideas for game shows and the two hosts have to play them and they often bring in celebrities and small children to share in the pain and hilarity. At first it might seem like Joe Firestone has a contentious relationship with listeners, but that is only mostly true. She actually really respects us. It's a lot like Lethal Weapon where Joe is like, oh listeners, you're all loose cannons. You're out of control. And we're like, no Firestone, you're too by the book. You forgot what it's like out there. And that's why I love the show. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday. So by the time you were in high school, you were in Boston proper? Yeah, we were in the city. Yeah. Yep. What was your high school like? Teeny little uh, private school called the Commonwealth School. Okay. My class was 40 people. We were the biggest class in the history of the school. Oh my. Uh, so there were not really sports or we didn't even have a prom. It was just this very little incredible place. I'm still more enamored with my high school than with any other formal thing. I just oh, think how it's about that? the most incredible place in the whole world. And was it did it have an, a religious affiliation as many private schools do or was it just nope, independently nope. private? Independently private. That's uh, unique. Pretty, yeah, pretty groundbreaking in terms of its opportunities for all sorts of kids coming from all sorts of backgrounds, Uh, lots of really rigorous intellectual stuff, but groundbreaking artsy stuff too. I mean, I think they had pottery and (laughs) visual, like visual arts were really strong and there was a jazz quartet and that kind of stuff. It just was a really great place that made made you think more than learning stuff by rote. It was really a way of teaching you how to think and synthesize information in ways that I think a lot of other schools don't teach you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds, I mean, that that sounds vaguely Montessori in terms of just sort of engaging with young people, maybe in a, a different arguably more mature or, or thorough way than, you know, prepping someone for a test or what have you that that some public high schools I think get you know driven into just by virtue of lack of budget and huge exactly number of students. yeah they've got to yeah. get 400 kids out the door every year so exactly exactly did you uh were you still studying ballet when you were in high school or did that go yeah. away no no I was hardcore I was I started actually dancing with a couple of companies when I was 16 oh wow so I was already I guess you would call me sort of a professional I mean I got paid probably <laughs> a couple thousand dollars a year, but uh, I was dancing in a couple of jazz companies when I was 16 and 17 before I went to college. And how so. was, and so your passion for it remained through, I mean, I, I only took, um, I talked about this fairly recently, I think on the podcast, because I feel I had maybe another little ballerina who I think stopped Aww. before high school, but um but I always remark upon, you know, the discipline, dedication and sort of relationship to your body that um, uh, that someone in ballet or gymnastics has that many of us don't, you know, don't even approach uh, yeah. at all. Was that was it sort of a, a love hate? I mean, was there a sense of, you know, 
I'm passionate about this and part of the passion has to include this sort of unpleasantness or did you not have the sort of broken toes slash weight <laughs> issues slash, you know, some of the other stuff that can accompany, can accompany, doesn't always. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is a whole podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't like, mess around. Yeah, exactly. Well, like many, I don't know any women, girls who have not been somehow touched by uh, trauma <laughs> around how we see ourselves, yeah. how we see ourselves seen, yeah. and how we feel about our, our bodies. And of course, in a rigorous discipline like gymnastics or, or dance, you are faced with your body every day in the mirror. And that's part of how you get better at your craft and you work on your all of, uh, of your physique and your positions and your placement. Uh, so yes, I was not unscathed by it. I never, luckily... Uh, you know, I gained a bunch of weight in high school just because I, my body was changing so quickly. All of a sudden, I'm 17 and I have boobs. And I'm like, what the? Sure. Oh, geez. Now what? Because arabesque is going to look funny and ah, uh, food. And so I yeah. I did get into a little bit of the crazy and I struggled a little bit through college. I, I never luckily um, struggled with a real disorder, but it certainly messes your brain up for a few years. Uh, yeah. And for me, it was just this struggle with, wait a minute, what matters, my musicality and how, how really good I am at this or that, you know, I, and I never was, this is just going to sound so weird. I mean, I never was overweight, I guess you would call it, but there were times when choreographers I would work with would, like there's one Danny Sloan who would call me fat ass hussy. Uh, wow. And I. I look back at it and I think like, wow, that's really damaging stuff. Like it took me a long <laughs> yeah. time to get over that fat yeah. ass hussy because I was maybe like, I don't know, I might've been 125, 130 pounds at one point, which yeah, was that's... too much for a girl in a white unitard. Oof, oof, oof. <laughs> so, that hurts my feelings It to think hurts about. so bad to think about yeah. it. And the irony being that it was only really after I stopped dancing that I began to normalize and strangely hit sort of my body's preferred weight, which is like 120, you know, and yeah. that feels fine. And it feels like a good fighting weight for me. And I haven't struggled with food since my late twenties and it's so ironic, right? Well, I mean, I think that's, that is something that, that, that I think happens to some and some not so much, but, um, yeah, the control stuff can warp decisions in the opposite direction than you intend them to. And, you know, that, that having that constant conversation um, can be so loud that who knows where your body really wants to be. And that, yeah, once that stuff becomes not the front and center focus, um, it's amazing how how your body can potentially kind of adjust itself to whatever to whatever it feels like it needs to be but it is ironic when when you're like I was so focused on it and then it turned out <laughs> once turned I out let that, that go yeah, I was just was fine, fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, yeah. I, I don't know if you um have been watching the crown I am um, I started I I think I watched all of the first season 
and began the second season and for whatever reason when it, and I was watching it as it was you know it had just rolled out and I was watching it um I felt like I was it it, it was too hard to watch yes. the 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 love between the prince and princess or you know between elizabeth when she was became queen that was so rough for me mm. to watch that i was like i need more I, I need an escape i need something that i don't that's not uh. making me feel a bleakness to life um, <laughs> but everyone i know is like you gotta get back to it janet what are you doing you're gonna yeah. you're so lucky you have new seasons to watch and so it's definitely it's funny you would bring it up because i just put on episode one of season two to kind oh, of go now okay. where was I a couple of well, days I, ago like does I this seem familiar I won't give away what's happening now except to say that you know Diana is now in season four they're covering Princess Diana and the yeah. you know her her marriage to Charles and it's excruciating in its own way um, mm. to, to see what she went through and to see her struggling with her food issues and her her lack of control in that situation her you know being like a 19 year old thrust into this crazy crazy world that you know on the one hand it's it's incredibly dazzling and 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 intoxicating to be the world's princess and on the other hand she just was completely out of control and so it it manifested in this food disorder and so back to our sort of you know the the way women are sort of corralled into this weird battle with food and our bodies and finding an equilibrium it seems so much more fraught for us than for for most boys yeah. um, and I'll just leave it at that I know that there are plenty of men who struggle with food issues but uh to see this very visceral depiction of Diana mm-hmm. uh is is brings back so many memories and so much tenderness for my younger self and all of us, sure. you know, younger women uh, navigating that treachery, you know, Ugh, between, yeah. you know, wanting to be cute and fit and thin and just wanting to freaking live our lives and fucking eat a fucking burger. Am yeah. I allowed to swear? Absolutely. <laughs> please. I wish you would do it more. No. Oh, um. I've been so careful <laughs> because I'm such a potty mouth. <laughs> You, you. I'll tell you what. Neither starve yourself nor per, nor binge on uh, on swear words. I want you to just do the right amount for you. Whatever <laughs> feels right to you on this okay. podcast is the right amount. Okay. Um, thanks. I will. I will quickly say that I do not remember Princess Diana being that young, and I've never like been one that had that kind of fascination with the royal family in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, I actually was shocked to hear you say 19 just now. I was like, no, no, no. Wasn't she like 29? Like, I just had no, I have no sense of how young she was. I'm, I, I'm, I I'm don't totally know surprised. for sure, but I, I want to say that was a number that was. Well, I saw a picture of the girl the that they cast to be Diana and she looks about 19. So it's got to yeah. be in that range. It's got to be in that range. She certainly doesn't look like the full grown adult I remember thinking she was when I was yeah. young and she was, you know, thrust into the spotlight. Um, did, were you were you were you playing music? Were you writing and, and playing music on top of uh, being a high school student and a dancer? I was in the choir. I was figuring out songs by ear because I got a guitar for Christmas when I was 13, but I was not a songwriter or, or a, you know, 
performer at that point. I really was, I thought I was going to be a dancer. And I, it was a battle my senior year with my parents who insisted that I go to college because I just wanted to move to New York and keep dancing. So uh, college was a compromise. <laughs> and I continued dancing through college, but that's when I started writing songs and and sort of turning the corner of like, well, wait a minute, this is kind of cool. Like yeah. I'm the I'm the boss of these chords and I'm the boss of these notes and I'm the boss of this poetry. This is awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and then it was this balancing act uh, after college because I was trying to do all the things. I was dancing in three modern dance companies in Boston and playing gigs on the weekend with my partner Jennifer, um, who we started the band The Story together. Yes, indeed. Uh, and. Then it just sort of became clear when I we got a record deal that, huh, okay, I think this is what's going to win out here. Hmm. So it was a, a lot of juggling for a bunch of years and, you know, piecing it together as a cleaning lady. I painted houses. I moved furniture. I was like just, you know, cash under the table trying to figure out how to pay for it all and keep dancing and keep singing with Jennifer. And then the record deal was the decider. Yeah. That's nice sometimes when when something sort of points, you know, when you when it's taken out of your hands, but in a good way. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, yeah, that was I, I mean, listen, I guess we better just like dig in so I can be a fan for a second. Um, ah. <laughs> uh, you know, first of all, I see you in on the on your YouTube channel and I cannot I, like I'm I'm like, I feel like I look young, but I feel like you and I look like we're the same age. So you then that means we both look like we're in our 30s. Um, oh, so well, you look thank you. absolutely fabulous. That's so uh, nice of you. I think there's something weird about the camera that makes that takes age away on those podcasts. I mean, those um, not podcasts on the live streams, because I, I think that. They look better than I should. <laughs> <laughs> but also, but also sure. you know what? I don't think either one of us in our heart of hearts wants to uh, equate getting older with not looking well or looking good. So I don't mean to say that you, well, that, that if you looked, you. Your, that if I felt you looked your age, that there would be anything wrong with that. But I will say that I did just kind of go, wait, I need to do the math on this. So it was a, it, that I had to really think for a second. I'm 94. Um, and you're 94, you're 94 years young. I'm 94. Never better. Never better. Spry as all get out. Still driving to the grocery um. store. <laughs> no, but I, I, uh, my, my dad is, um, it was a, uh, high school honors English teacher, uh, for oh. his base, basically his career in Arizona, but, um, but also, ended up with this sort of side career that he was able to retire early from teaching so that he could write full-time writing these sort of ghost town um history and and kind of a practical guide for people who are interested in visiting these old locations in the in the western united states and oh, sort cool. of grew it out but he is um very very literary minded um very much you know like very much raised me my my parents divorced when I was you know they split I should say they separated when I was so young I don't really have many memories of them together and um and my dad had custody of me and 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 he was he was my music education for the most part and um 
you know, it was never as simple as just like, and this is the band, the police, aren't they great? It was like, I need to dissect for you, you know, five-year-old Janet, why synchronicity is such an amazing song. Let's talk about, you know, what the Scylla and Charybdis are. Let's talk about, you know, the fact that he's referencing these, these works of literature and stuff. And so um, when we, I can't remember which one of us discovered the story, but, um, I know I was, you know, I guess I was 16 maybe when, when Grace and Gravity, um, was released and, and definitely was starting my first year of college and was 17 when, uh, Angel in the House was released. Grace and Gravity. And right. Isn't that the, that's the album, right? That's the very first one. Yeah. I did it like, I did not revisit anything. This is purely from memory. So if I am wrong about anything, no, you're totally on. Um, but we, but that was something that, you know, my dad was such, such a fan as well. And I don't mean that like I, sometimes now where I've been around long enough that um, and I've been and I was on a show that kids watched. And so somehow 10 years have passed since like the first season <laughs> debuted. And I have these people coming up to me who look like they're 11 years old saying, I grew up <laughs> watching you. And I'm like, what is happening right now? What is happening oh right God. now? I have that same Am thing I a grandmother? What's going on? I know. So I'm, I'm like, like, I'm my- a great grandmother to the kids that grow up, grew up watching uh, my Peter Pan song. Oh, movie, sure, sure. Return to Neverland. Anyway, finish. But you know, but so so that, that I'm I, I'm familiar with the feeling of like the I I I I don't want to be the person who's like I was listening to you when I was so young, but now it, <laughs> uh, but also you were you were not that you know you were de- maybe a decade older than me when you were making this music, so that's that feels like a a little drop in the bucket now, you know, in in terms of age differences, but um, but you know he was just like he we were both so enamored of um you know references that you were making and uh and and just extraordinary songwriting such great lyrics and um and when I think back to like you're like you are someone that I kind of think back on my musical taste and my and my taste in books and things because I'm old enough now that when I see a high school student I do feel like oh you're a ch- oh you're so young oh because I remember so much how grown up I felt in certain ways when I was that age but then huh. I think about my taste and stuff and I'm like no like I'm it's that is every bit as sophisticated of writing as I can appreciate now and I'm not sure I can appreciate something I'm not looking for like I'm not sure it gets much more sophisticated out there anyway and so it's not like my tastes evolve to where now I can only listen to songs by Proust you know what I mean like it's not you know it's not like that that is sort of the paramount of like just great l- lyrics and um and so I also have to give the younger me credit to go well this was as this was as sophisticated as anything you've ever liked listening to and you understood it and you appreciated it when you were 17 years old so give yourself a break like maybe your brain was kind of grown up in certain ways you know yeah smarty pants for sure (laughs) how did this turn into me patting myself on the back for being incredibly smart (laughs) well and and it's funny because sometimes I when when I've been like again like relearning some of these songs the early story songs for some of my kitchen concerts I've been like wow okay on the one hand I'm like wow I'm really proud of that song and yeah and then a couple of the other ones I'm like what a pretentious load of crap you were (laughs) 
I like I'm a, so a curious what you think was pretend. Like I I I I want to know, yet I really never want to know. Maybe um what what well, you what you felt maybe was pretentious because you because you were like, inside your body and maybe you thought you were trying to seem like you knew more than you did or something, but it doesn't come off that way. Well, I think some of the just even the um like in the booklet for the the angel in the house, some of the little preambles to the CD booklet, the the lyrics of the booklets where I would quote like Pinter or <laughs> like Virginia Woolf. <laughs> but it totally you know, worked. Look, you sucked so, in a, a teacher. It's so pretentious. It's so like, oh, I was an English major. So I want you to know that I was an English major and I read The Birthday Party by Pinter and I'm so, so smart. <laughs> so that I think that's what I'm reacting to. But um, a lot of the songs I have great fondness for. Well, I, I was, when I was in college, I was, I started writing, I had taken classical guitar when I was like fifth grade through ninth grade or something. And then I sort of a bit wandered away from guitar and, um, and like my, I think probably my senior summer leading into going to school, um, somehow I ended up kind of picking it back up and starting like somehow I had never translated like oh this this same instrument that you use to play you know whatever uh trumpet volunteer um in your little guitar ensemble is also the same thing that you could learn um you know a Sarah McLachlan song or somebody who didn't have necessarily like alternate tunings or you know um getting into the more complex stuff uh but but I was like, oh, wait, this is kind of fun. And so I started writing songs. And I feel like, um, I mean, I definitely, you know, I look back and go, what, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> oh, no, what are you doing? But I'm pretty sure mine wouldn't hold up to scrutiny or and, and I never would have gotten a record contract. <laughs> you never know. Uh, <laughs> you really never know. Oh God! Um, <laughs> well, that's amazing that you weren't t- because because uh, you were because this the stuff that you wrote and and the the musicography that's definitely not a word in any way <laughs> musicology uh, uh-huh. the because the the sophistication of the 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 music that you were writing of the actual compositions Hmm. um I would have thought like I sort of expected going in to this conversation for you to say like yeah you know I was just one of those musical prodigies who was kind of right you know I was playing piano and playing guitar and writing my own stuff when I was 11 you know I just wouldn't (laughs) have been surprised in any way so the idea that it came in later and that there was something else driving you artistically um you know all the way up into college is really fascinating to me it is. I am a late bloomer for sure. As a musician, I didn't see it coming at all until again. It was like the the composing part that really was the clincher, and realizing that all the dissonances that I hear in my head that I put onto other people's songs when I'm singing along. Wait a minute. I can I can create this from scratch so that I can get more dissonance per square inch than than I even ever dreamed I could and. So hence the sort of excitement about, you know, I was really prolific in the early days. I just couldn't stop writing because it just seemed like this amazing uh, Christmas tree of decorations. You know, I could choreograph all these voices and create all these Mm -hmm. sounds that I craved that I wasn't finding necessarily in pop music. Um, So hence the open tunings and the, 
you know, the crazy harmony choreography with Jennifer and all the parts. And it, it just really was like Candyland. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. W- one of the other things about the the music in the first couple of albums, I'm just thinking about, again, you being a person under 30, unless my math is off, um, <laughs> writing that stuff, uh, that there was so much that didn't, it wasn't an album about like heartbreak uh, like you know what I'm saying it wasn't uh, yeah. it, it wasn't Alanis Morissette it's a jagged little pill bless right. her like I'm I think she's probably I, I I couldn't be more sure that she and I would get along like a house on fire but uh but that <laughs> totally. was not that was that was not for me when when it was happening that just wasn't where I was at in terms yeah. of my tastes um but but that was a, that's a good example right of and she was younger a little younger but it's yeah. a good example of you know what you might expect songs to be about um, as a person, perhaps in your mid twenties or under thirty, um, versus some of the stuff that you were doing was, were you a were you a person who was kind of like, would you get sort of love lost? Were you dating a bunch in high school, and were there, <laughs> you know, were there were there fiery romances, or was that calmer? And were you, you know, focusing on other things? Huh. I. That's a really good question. I I was always like in love with somebody or brokenhearted about something. Yeah. But I I it, somehow that didn't consume what I would do with it creatively. What I would mm-hmm. do with ideas creatively. I think that I was drawn more toward storytelling, like a different kind of storytelling that wasn't all me centered. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. that got really boring really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I was always inspired by literature, always finding key turns of phrase in poetry or fiction that I was coming across. And to this day, I mean, that's still my biggest source of inspiration is great writing. Yeah. And it, and I find it way more exciting than <laughs> trying to trying to revisit my dumb life you know over and over again <laughs> like mining it for one more like heartbroken whatever just right. like oh god which is why i think that it's been exciting as i've sort of morphed a little bit left into writing a little bit for musical theater and writing a couple of musicals mm-hmm. um, and ironically when that started happening with me which was again a late late bloomer in that world in a way um all, all these people in theater have been like, well, duh, we've been waiting for you. Like since Angel in the House, we knew that you were good at telling mm. stories this way. Yeah. Um, duh, get to work because <laughs> this is going to be your new job. <laughs> and so <Yeah. laughs> uh, it's been interesting to to realize like, oh, okay, I did have a little bit of a different take on this this voice that I have and how I'm going to use it and to have been inspired by so many literary things just makes sense now uh, because I am now collaborating with a different kind of a writer, but it's still a collaboration in a way with yeah. a, 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 ri- a written page thing as opposed to my heart is broken again. Oh my God, <laughs> right. I have to write right. another song. Right, <laughs> right. Well, you know, I, that makes me wonder too. I mean, I that's one of the things that I've I've loved about you know, I think I I don't think I ever thought about myself as a as a 
person any older than I was at any given moment, uh, except in the very, very abstract. So I can't say I had concrete ideas really about who I would be. But I do think that when you're younger, there is that misconception that you're going to sort of that the that the that the mold will will dry, like the gel will fix or whatever. That that you'll sort of be some finalized version. Um, and I don't know where that that preconception comes from maybe it's like mm -hmm. weirdly genetically innate like that's part of just being a young person uh, because it's not like anyone ever told me that uh but that's th this idea that you can get just continue discovering things about yourself and you can continue to pursue interests that can turn into passions or even just you know things that are a fleeting fancy um but that you can constantly sort of awaken something or 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 flirt with something and go you know, oh, that's, I sure. You know what? I paint absolutely. I paint. <laughs> that's um, great. You know, and 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 so I love the idea of you coming into a, a different genre, if you will. Like, do, do you wonder if there's another thing like that that ten years from now you're going to go? You know, <laughs> we'll we'll revisit. We'll talk in ten years, and you'll say, you know, it's so funny. I didn't realize I was going to, you know. XYZ but pe nobody else seemed that surprised you know or, like, <laughs> if there's a, if there's another thing waiting to come out you know that would be awesome I hope there is another thing that's waiting I know that it's not painting because I, I just I'm not I'm just I'm so terrible at that but that would be so cool if there was a whole other thing that happened in 10 years and I, I'm ready I, I think that part of it is this uh, this need to not repeat myself and so that has led me to new adventures and new scary things including you know including this one woman show that I did and the Woody Guthrie record and and now this new world of theater I think it's it's just part of restlessness and mm. wanting to be afraid <laughs> because otherwise you kind of just might throw in the towel because if it's yeah. not if it's not scary and if it's not fresh then it's not there's why why make the same record again you know yeah. why do the, why do the same thing again oh oh it's time for a quick break i will be back after a word from our friends at maximum fun hey friends jesse here the founder of maximum fun and i have some really great news to share with you this year has brought a lot of changes for all of us. And one tradition that we were grateful to be able to hold on to is our annual pin sale to benefit charity. This year, through your generosity and love of pins, you helped raise $95,400 for Give Directly. If you're a member and you bought pins, they'll ship in January. In the meantime, your support will provide direct cash relief to families impacted by COVID-19 across the United States. Even in this incredibly tough year, the MaxFun community remains extraordinarily kind. And whether or not you bought pins, you can continue to help by heading to givedirectly.org. And as always, thank you. So I do this thing at the end of each of my episodes that I frequently neglect to warn anybody about, um, which is not, there's nothing painful about it, but it does uh, help um, 
with the execution of explanation. Like I should have said to you, hey, at the end of every episode, I play this game called MASH. And if you've played it as a young person, you know what it is. And if you haven't, you have no idea. And it seems totally weird. But basically, it's this game that um, I kind of grew up with that MASH is the sort of built in part of the game mansion apartment shack and house is what mash stands for and i'm going to ask you a series of questions i'll say um give me three of this category now give me three of this category and then as as we would when we were little um i i I essentially give you the results of your alternate universe <laughs> reality or future cool. that include all of these kind of things. And it's, 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 it's like a it's reading. Basically a, a, yeah, it's like a clunky way of me of, of leaving the podcast thinking about things we love. Um, okay. So wait, so what was I'm, it? Mansion, apartment, shack and house. And I have my little pad here. So all I need from you. Woman, your- camera, television <laughs> <laughs> sorry i had to wait shack house okay but you don't have to write anything down no like, i know I'll, i just wanted uh, yeah, to I'll, like remember this for shack. later that's it's all it's all it's all eeny meeny miny mo arbitrary so you'll end up with either a mansion apartment shack or a house and then you'll end up with one thing from each of the categories that i'm gonna ask you okay. so wait three okay okay just tell me what to so, do so okay. I'm so you don't so you can just think off the top of your head. The hardest thing about your your part of it is that it's hard to not think of something three hours later and go, oh, I wish I would have said that. That's what <laughs> I, I know, want. I That's what I want to eat forever in perpetuity. <laughs> um, so so it's that we'll we'll just take it uh, under advisement that this these are your extemporaneous answers here in this okay. moment. These are I'm your allowed wants to change. And needs. Okay, and 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 yeah, you're not you're not married needs. to anything. I like it. Okay, Got so. It. So the first category will be three. Mm, I'm okay. I had a more um, esoteric idea that I'm going to wait for a later category, so I can warm you up. This is the warm okay. up category. Warm me up. Okay. Warm up category. Three places in the world that you would love to have uh, a second home, and we're going to assume in these life and times that COVID is not a thing, and that I can kind of teleport you there, so you don't have to worry about distance of travel or anything like that. Three places in the world, whether you've been there or not, that you would love to have a second home. Paris. Great. Costa Rica. Great. And in the mountains somewhere in Colorado. Wonderful and agreed. Okay. Next category, <laughs> let's do uh this is a uh, a category that I enjoy um which always feels funny talking about after we talk about food issues, but uh, everyone seems to be able to relate to this no matter what. This is three foods that in this reality, perhaps they are uh, not, you know, ecologically responsible or you're allergic to them or they're so sugary that you could eat it when you were a kid, but now it would make you sick if you even had one. We are mm. we are eliminating all of those factors in this alternate universe. Everything is perfectly fine you'll never get sick of it it doesn't matter if it's expensive rare whatever you can have it as much as you want at the snap of your fingers so Uh. three things and it can be as specific as like one particular cookie that you had once or it can be as general as like pizza three uh green and blacks 85 percent dark chocolate wonderful my husband's lemon pasta Ooh, yes indeed that new york strip steak from Kowalski's. There it is. Okay. Kowalski's. Great. Um, Okay. Next category, let's do three authors that, uh, living or dead, 
that you get to collaborate with on something. We don't know what, but something. Sharon Olds, Mary Carr, Elizabeth Strout. I know it's all white chicks, but they're freaking No judgment. Yeah. You could have easily named three white men, and so there's no, no judgment. Also, this is your MASH game, so this is about you and what you're thinking about right now uh okay next category okay now i'm going to do the more abstract one that i was thinking about so three (laughs) three things i don't know if it's like a story you would want to tell or just the 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 existence of being at the laundromat or whatever but three things that have not yet been made into a modern dance or ballet type of show that you are going to gift the world with like oh you haven't seen that ballet about gardening um <laughs> so think about weird ways that you could do a modern dance show or a ballet about uh something that you wouldn't normally see depicted in that art form does that make sense yes okay. and th- i get to do three different ballets Mm-hmm. well well i yeah i guess it could be a ballet. well the story that i need to tell Next, maybe about Christian Science. So, ooh, okay, that's I all I this. can say about that. And I don't know what kind of ballet that would make, but it would be interesting to try. Love it. Uh, there might have to be just how could you make a ballet about great food? I love that. I don't know. And the third one would be about making clothes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, great. Okay, uh, one other common uh, aspect of a MASH game usually involves this kind of alternate universe romance. You can um, pick three people. They can be figures from literature. They can be cartoons. They can be living or dead. They can be really anything you want. Actors who played a certain role, whatever. Uh, three alternate universe like romances, companionships, sexy times, however you want to think of it. Oof. And yes, I am consistently teased about my use of the term sexy times. Every time I say it. <laughs> well, that being said, I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen would be freaking on any level dinner, sexy time, just to pick his brain, just to be in a room to like f- figure out how he does what he does. That would be Great. incredible. Love Great. him. Uh, and then actually, I'd like to meet his wife. Let's so. <laughs> throw in, want to throw Isla in? Yeah, I do. number two? I do, Great. I just, and, um, oh, maybe Sarah Cohen for her brilliant, brilliant Twitter feed and hopefully coming soon, new Netflix show. Great. Great, great, great. Okay, um, next category, let's do... Hmm. Let's do three skills that we're going to give you that you could wake up tomorrow with and suddenly you're an expert at something um, that right now you're either proficient at or you feel like you have kind of no sense of it all. (laughs) I will be fluent in French. Great. I will be able to read music. Great. And I will have a job that can make money in a pandemic like oh boy i'll be a psychotherapist or a lawyer <laughs> a divorce lawyer <laughs> or a divorce lawyer or like a an election law lawyer <laughs> yeah no kidding no kidding okay Making job in a money. pandemic <laughs> job in a pandemic beautiful uh three 
movies or books that you can, we're going to give you the ability to jump into and you're not reliving the plot. It's just a, a, a place you can go to be with those characters, be in that world, in that environment with that sort of vibe whenever you want. I want to be in Fleabag. Great. I might want to be in Schitt's Creek just to witness <laughs> what went on there. Absolutely. And I actually would really want to know all of Kitteridge. Great, great, great. Okay. And then final category for you. Let's see. Oh, what do I want your final category to be? Um, you have an extra room in your house that is sort of magical in that it doesn't affect the sort of blueprint of your home. So it could be this wildly large place or a tiny place. Um, somehow it's kind of existing in, in a different dimension. But you can open the door and be... Um, transported into something as simple as you know a meditation room or a workout room or a sewing room or it could be like somehow this this room is actually a small forest so three rooms um, that we're going to give you magically that we that will sort of appear in your home well could it be just sitting by the ocean yes in the sand and it's warm but not too hot and I'm and I'm not prone to skin cancer, so I don't have to worry. You bet. That's what this is for. 100%. All of those things. Yes. So I can just be sitting by the ocean. That would be great. Yes. I would like there to be a room that is a recording studio that's all ready to go whenever I have an idea. And there's a yes. someone there. There's a, a chick there with all the skills that, yes. that someone needs to record me in a moment and make me sound amazing and and all the players that I want. I love it. Um the third one is going to be like oh, it's going to just be this amazing table of beloveds and great food and great wine and we, mm. we could just go there anytime and be hanging out and having an incredible conversation and all my favorite people would just be there when you know whenever I needed them to be there, and we could and Pat would be cooking, and we would all be eating. And Pat's my husband, who makes the amazing lemon pasta, and oh. we would be having like amazing times there. I have to say, the only word I can use to describe that is sublime. It sounds sublime. So um, wonderful. Okay, so now uh, what do I win? Up- <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you what you won. Okay. Uh, give me a number between one and seven. Seven. Okay. While I do these uh, calculations, using a very grandiose term for something very simple, uh, I would love for you to tell my wonderful listeners uh, about where they can find you, what they should pay attention to, listen to, watch uh, of yours, and I'm do, going to do, do, do this. Do, do, That's exactly do, do, right. That's exactly do, right. Do, 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 do. Okay. You can find me. Well, every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube singing from my kitchen. It's Kitchen COVID Concerts for the pandemic and beyond, probably at this point. I also have a website, jonathabrook.com, where you can find 
lots of information about me. All my CDs are for sale. You can buy handwritten lyric sheets, for instance. You can oh. join my master classes. You can get tablature. So Wait you a minute. Learn what's how to play ma- what, all my what, crazy songs. What's happening with your master classes? I need well, to sign up for this ASAP. Oh, really? Uh, I haven't announced the next round, but there will be a new round probably coming in the next month or so because why not? And sure. I teach, I've been teaching actually on Zoom because obviously pandemic, uh, but teaching has become another passion of mine. And I do these in-person workshops in Nashville three times a year, but since the pandemic, I've been doing them online. So there may be that coming soon. Very cool. My latest record is available there. What else? Yes, I am on the Facebook and the YouTube and the Instagrams in the normal Jonathan Brookie places. You can find me. <laughs> and that's all I got. No, that's good because I'm done. And I was going to say, I hope that I... Please uh, shut up. <laughs> you don't... <no. laughs> Dear God, please let she, let her be done. Let her be done. No, not at all. Um, but I do have your up. results, and please I do think up. you'll be pleased oh, good. with these, okay. this outcome. So Great. first of all, I want to congratulate you on your uh, perfect engineer-included recording studio that we have tucked miraculously inside your existing abode. Um, <sighs> that's going to be delightful i feel sure uh i want to and i by the way i i don't know how much time you're gonna have because i know you've been very very busy making (laughs) a mint with uh with your your as to totally unnamed but hinted at uh things you might be doing to make a boatload of money during the pandemic without necessarily utterly exploiting it and other people you are making a lot of money (gasps) Yay. Being very useful during this pandemic. So the recording studio, listen, you know, that's going to be, uh, you're going to have to make some time for that because you're very busy. Um, ah, so good. I, I want to say I was a huge fan of the ballet uh, that you created uh, about great food. None of oh, us good. knew how we were going to, you were going to do it. Now that we've seen it, what a no brainer. <laughs> now that we've seen it, we're like, of course, that's exactly how you do a ballet about great food. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I want to also say, uh, can't wait to see what your collaboration with, uh, author Mary Carr brings to the public. That's so funny. I'll tell you why. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, uh, I also want to congratulate you on your apartment in Paris. Yes, that was my biggest hope. Yeah, (laughs) you got it. And I'm so sure, what are you going to get, a mansion, a uh, shack, or a house in Paris? No, you're going to have an apartment in Paris. That's what you have when you live in Paris. That's all you need. So beautiful apartment in Paris. Uh, You, I don't know why you would feel like you needed a break from your current house or your apartment in Paris, but if you want to, you can jump into Fleabag whenever you (gasps) so desire. And Ugh. just be in that world with those characters. Um, and uh, when you just need to take a quick break and have a beautiful meal with uh, someone you admire that you brought into your life in a romantic way, uh, you can have Kowalski's New York strip steak with none other than Sasha Baron Cohen. Yay! <laughs> I win! I win! I win! I win! You really, really win. Wow. Um, Thank you so much. 
sense. Right? So that's, I guess, see, now now that we've done it, you know why I play MASH at the end and why and what I mean when I say you kind of leave with this lingering sense of like all these wonderful things that are fun to think about. Um, and it makes the pandemic just feel so far away miles away miles away uh jonathan thank you so much for doing this i've been looking forward to this for some time and our schedules you know things kept coming up and uh and so i'm so glad that that it worked out i really am proud of myself for not like completely losing my shit uh how talented (laughs) i think you are how you've been a part of my life for many years that's Um, wicked sweet thank you uh it's my pleasure that was very boston of you i've never said wicked in my life um wicked piss ah uh, i don't feel i can i haven't earned it um (laughs) (laughs) so everybody please uh check out and support this marvelous marvelous artiste um if for no other reason than i got a lot out of her over these years uh she's brought a lot (laughs) into my life so let's all pay it back tenfold Um, Thank you again for doing the podcast. All right, wonderful. Now it is my very big pleasure. I'm also nervous uh, to introduce the song that Jonathan is sang with me. It is her song, So Much Mine. And I'll post uh, the video and, you know, places you can watch the video on social media. Okay, I hope you enjoy it. Okay, here we go. Hey, Janet. Damn it. Where'd you get that dress? Where'd you learn to walk like that? Don't talk back Tell me where you've been Maybe I don't want to know Oh Lord, why me? You were so much, so much mine Now I reach for you and I cannot find you Cannot find you so much mine, so much mine, so much mine. mine. You know you've got my hands and you've got your father's eyes.
show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell and as always the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.